The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. It's time to get fired up. Fired Up is a show that delivers both business impact and social importance. Get ready to explore the connection between communications and human motivation. Our guests will share ideas on how to create higher returns on your communication investments by engaging the people who matter most. Our host, Gordon Rudo, CEO of Bonfire Communications, has bridged the communications gap from startups and nonprofits to the Fortune 500, from political leaders to celebrity CEOs. Get ready to be fired up with your master communicator, Gordon Rudo. Welcome back, everybody. Fired Up, this is Gordon Rudo, I'm your host once again, and uh, we're thrilled to have Norm Smallwood on today, which we'll tell you a little bit about him in just a second. Um, but just a little reminder, last week's show, uh, if you did listen, uh, you heard that I did that from home with, with barking dogs and crying kids and everything in the background, and I realized uh, that I, I shortcut the beginning where we frame the show, and I, I just want to make sure that everyone who's listening knows what you're listening to and knows both the history and the future of the show and where we're going with it. Um, so Fired Up and what we're trying to do with the show, we're, we're really trying to bring you uh, the latest knowledge, the, the smartest and most interesting contemporary business thinkers around this issue of, of how do you create a healthy, vibrant, engaged workplace? How do you create environments where people thrive that really, both at an organizational level and at a personal level, um, we're meeting our potential? And to meet people's potential or organizational potential, people need to feel um, confident, trustful, um, connected, uh, passionate, feel like they're a part of something effective. And we have a variety of different perspectives on this issue. Um, and you've heard from, uh, from people looking at it from a neurological perspective with Donna Markova, from a career development perspective uh, with Beverly Kay, from a communications perspective with uh, Terry McKinsey last week, again with Paul Salinger, looking at it from a marketing and event-oriented perspective. How do we deal with face-to-face communications versus social media? Um, and today we have Norm Smallwood, who's going to take a look at this from a leadership and human resource perspective. Um, and he's got an incredibly rich background, produced a lot of books in this. You've been reading in the HR space, real-time strategy or results-based leadership. Um, you've, you've seen his work. You've heard of his work with RBL, um, a book that came out a couple years ago. Uh, I think it was 2007 with Leadership Brand, and most recently with the Leadership Co- uh, Code, Five Rules to Live By with Dave Ulrich. And uh, we're, we're very fortunate to have Norm Smallwood on. How you doing this morning, Norm? Thanks, Gordon. Thanks. And I can produce some barking dogs and crying kids if that will help. <laughs> it actually wasn't helpful at all. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> at one point long. last week, I, uh, I actually closed the door of the room I was in and then into the bathroom I, I went and then into the shower and closed the door of the shower just to, to make sure I wasn't too affected by my, my poor two-and-a-half-year-old little girl who's crying for daddy. Um, so why don't we oh, just say I find that some of my most authentic communication comes hiding in the shower as well. <laughs> get in touch. 
you do what you have to do. Um, yeah, and some big powerful ideas. So if if you're uh, if you're near a shower now, Norm, and that works for Maybe you, I'll just go um, to the shower right now. Just hop on in. Okay, I'm here now. Okay, now that we've got you in the shower, um, and I'd like to back up if if I can for our listeners and give them a sense of of who you are and how you got here because I know a, a bit about you and I've done my my homework and. I think you've got a phenomenal history, but if you could, for our listeners, just give us a background. How did you get into this work? Um, what started you here? Why is leadership something that uh, was real fascinating to you? Tell us where uh, where this began. Well, thanks for asking that question. And uh, let, let, let me go. I have to go all the way back to 1977. I was an undergraduate English and psych major, and uh, had been accepted into several good law schools had an uncle you know near toronto who was a lawyer and my dad was in the canadian military and and we we were raised all over the world we lived in all over canada we lived in england and germany and uh uh my grandfather even had a uh, pharmaceutical company that was uh, nationalized when i was about 6 by papadoc in haiti um, so, 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 so I had a very, um, we moved a lot and, uh, so saw lots of cultures, lots of, uh, uh, different places, different kinds of people. And then uh, when I was in, uh, sort of went through my undergraduate, just assuming that I would, uh, be an English and psych major, you, you have to do something, not a lot of jobs for those guys coming out of, uh, with a bachelor's degree, so I thought I was headed to law school. So I took an elective organization behavior class, and the assist and the teacher's assistant in that class was a former Navy guy who was in the graduate organization behavior program. And as part of this class that I was taking, uh, Pete was the guy's name. The Navy guy unionized our class. And we refused to hand in our midterm exams as a, as a statement of the style and approach that this uh, very autocratic professor was taking. And so I was a part of the, uh, the group that told the professor that the class had rebelled and there was nothing he could do. In fact, uh, there really wasn't anything he could do because the, the students had taken the exams and, and were, and, and the students that uh, didn't really want to participate in the class rebellion. Um, the other students had taken their exams. So his leadership was really dependent on our followership. Now, remember what an insight that was for me. It may not sound like much. It wasn't that big a deal. It was, in a, you know, again, a college class. But uh, my father, who was a military man and very authoritarian, um, it was just such an insight to find out that there's actually nothing this guy could do. The professor was just stuck. So that really hooked me. I applied to that uh, graduate OB program. Uh, instead of going to law school, I, I changed in uh, last semester before going on to law school. And then I got into a, uh, the organization program at uh, organization behavior program at BYU in the 70s and 80s was really an interesting place because the faculty was 
there's a lot of tension among the faculty, which makes for great learning. Um, we had uh, Bonner Ritchie, who'd been at Berkeley, Michigan, and Stanford, and Bonner has done a lot of work in trying to bring peace in the Middle East, and he was really an organization theorist and philosopher who pushed ambiguity and critical thinking. Bill Dyer was there, who was from Wisconsin. Really, a lot of people would call him the father of team building. He's very intentional and pro-business. Warner Woodworth was uh, from Michigan and a longtime labor organizer and anti-business. Dalton and Thompson from Harvard had done the seminal work on engineers and performance. So what was great about that program, me getting into it, was there was the tension created the conditions where it forced me to get a point of view and to think for myself. And uh, I really had to learn to adapt, not memorize. I think it was a completely different experience, and I would be a really different person had I gone in that other direction. So that's how I got into the field. So a pretty interesting paradoxical view that you dealt with. Oh, yeah. Uh, Did you you join join any particular camp? I mean, you, you were... Uh, I guess, accessing a whole range of different perspectives here. Where did you land, and, and how did that translate eventually into uh, revolt, results-based leadership or real-time strategy? Oh, great question. And, and again, it's just fun to, to, to be introspective about this because I, you know, I, I hadn't thought about these questions in a, in a long time, and uh, so it's really fun to be asked. Um, I ended up uh, initially going in the Bonner-Ritchie camp. I was really uh, loved the ambiguity and the, the theory of uh, that direction, and, and Bonner has turned into uh, a lifelong friend and has had his hand in my career for years. He was actually the one that introduced Dave Ulrich and I, who uh, formed the, the RBL group in, in, in 1999. And, uh, but then... The other fact that I had a, a, a previous company called Novations, and where Gene Dalton and Paul Thompson were partners, um, and, uh, and and so Gene, before he died, was a was a wonderful mentor, just a, a, a real introvert, uh, not a great speaker, but one of the best thinkers and uh, one of the most supportive men that. Uh, that, that I've ever had the pleasure to work with, and it was great to have about 10 years, not as a student, but as a, as a colleague of, of Gene. So that's, that's kind of how I ended up. Well, we're going to need to take a, a short break before we, we come back and talk about this, but we're going to come back with Norm Smallwood and talk about results-based leadership and might even dive into his first book on, on real-time strategy. I told him that we're going to bounce all over the place. And there's a lot of... Uh, piece of work here that we want to cover, uh, years of work and, and several different publications to cover. Um, so if you guys uh, listening could come on back in the next two minutes, we'll be back with Norm Smallwood talking about his work. Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. 
They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart. Had been out there with the code of ethics. Been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Your company's website sucks. You know it. Everybody knows it. So get a to-do list to fix it. On Target, a subscription service from Future Now and Brian Eisenberg monitors your website 24-7. Analyzing the actions of every potential customer. It gives you a to-do list. It tells you exactly what to fix and how to fix it. So that more of your visitors do what you need them to do. On Target pricing starts at $1,000 a month. See more at futurenowinc.com slash ontarget. Looking for a new way to build backlinks and traffic back to your website? Then look no further than the quickest and easiest way to blast your article to thousands of subscribers at the click of a mouse. Introducing ArticleSender.com, the world's premier article distribution service. With ArticleSender.com, you can submit your prize-winning piece to thousands of promising publishers and article directories craving for fresh content. ArticleSender.com also provides premium services so that your article is SEO-ready. Plus, we provide express editorial review for rush delivery of your submissions within 24 to 48 hours. Article distribution at its easiest. One form, one click, thousands of results. Get your free account today at articlesender.com. That's articlesender.com. It's time to start jamming and spamming again with the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of Cirque, SEO rock stars, Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. You're getting fired up only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. We're back with Norm Smallwood, and I want to take this where we left off before the break. Um, several different leaders and different perspectives talking about um, a militaristic kind of top-down dictatorial view or a more um, follower-based, ambiguous, creative, perhaps, um, view of organizational life and, and success and leadership. Um, you joined into the latter. Um, how did that translate into... Uh, some of your first pieces of work and where you spent your research time? Well, what we did with, uh, well, Dave and I had uh, known each other for um, a fair amount of time, and now that I've given this background about some of the faculty, uh, Bonner Ritchie invited the Jack Zanger and Dave Ulrich and I to be on a faculty board with him at a, at, at, at a university, and so three of us out of about maybe 12 uh, board members, you know, looked at different ways of, uh, of uh, improving, you know, faculty relations with the school. And, and one day the topic of leadership came up, and uh, Jack and, and Dave and I found ourselves in a heated discussion with uh, coming from very different backgrounds on the topic. Uh, I've been more of a, uh, in my last firm, more of a strategy and organization person. Jack Zenger uh, in San Francisco had uh, 
a company called Zanger Miller that uh, he had sold by then, but uh, just about anybody over 40 probably has had a Zanger Miller course. And, uh, and then Dave, the guru in HR, and had been writing a lot. But we found ourselves really on, on different sides of, of sort of what really made leaders effective. And so Jack invited us to, to come to his house one, one afternoon, not at a board meeting, and try to put some things uh, together. So we, so we basically, uh, that was the meeting that led to the decision to write uh, results-based leadership. And in that meeting, we very quickly learned that we, we decided that the field had become enamored with uh, individual psychological competencies and that, uh, that, that that was half right, that uh, leaders needed to have effective no be and do. They needed to, they needed to be clear about uh, knowing the customer, knowing the market. They needed to be people with integrity and character, and they needed to do things like communicate and have effective budgets. But the, but the piece that seemed to be missing was a focus on results. So... Um, and, and maybe it was implied, but uh, but the implications of it being so skewed towards the the individual psychology side of it seemed wrong to us. And so so the one of our really interesting pieces in that was to to basically, as we talked about competencies, to say that the competencies had to have a so that statement. So if you're going to have uh, character, so that. Uh, there was some result to having character, and the, and the, and the result could be so that uh, our customers would trust us or that employees would trust us, or I need to have effective judgment, which is an attribute or a competence, so that um, we would uh, make the right kind of decisions for the, for the future of the company. So, so Results-Based Leadership was a very simple book but very counter to what the prevailing uh, books and, and speakers uh, uh, were talking about then. And to this day, uh, I don't know how much effect we've really had, but uh, most senior-level executives seem to like our connection to results and, uh, and ask those people that, uh, that, are, that are in the field uh, believe that it's an, an important contribution. So attributes so that results, and the results aren't just financial. They're employee, customer, financial. Uh, so anyway, different, different stakeholders that we need to deliver results to. So very simple idea, but uh, something that where the pendulum had swung too far in the other direction. So let's, Let's dive into that, if we can, in, in one area. And you talked about creating results in four areas, employee results, organization results, customer results, and investor results. Um, yep. Let's talk about employee results for a minute. For our audience, uh, who are a lot of business leaders, HR leaders, and communicators, um, if not the core audience, certainly one of the most critical audiences is employees. And we've come to understand, uh, and we can debate this out on the phone as we have with others, um, how essential the employees are in this process that I think it was Amy Lyman at Success Factors talked about how 15% of an organization's success has to do with the strategy or the positioning and 85 
percent has to do with the organizational ability, the motivation, and and the skills with employees. So you're talking right. about uh, this critical audience, and they, you talk about it as competence, commitment, and contribution. Right. So tell us a little bit more about the contribution piece, finding meaning in the work, or the commitment piece about employee engagement and loyalty. Like, well, how do we, how do leaders engender that after they work on their own competencies and they build an organization that has leadership competencies? So that dot dot dot. What about right. this employee piece? Well, I mean, you need to have. Uh... Uh, not only the leader, but the employees are attracted to the company because there's things that an organization does that that helps a person uh, develop and mature and, and make a difference. And, and, and those three things are competence, commitment, contribution. So you have, so if I come, one of the things that can attract me to to coming to work somewhere is I can learn new skills. I can I can increase my my competence, and what I want to do in the process of of, of learning those new skills and, and and having competence is is I need a secondary. I need I want to be committed and and engaged and invest psychological discretionary energy. Uh, to be in an engaged workplace, so that's the that's the commitment piece. So, if you look at those two together, if you had high competence and low commitment, you'd have smart people who didn't care, and if you had the reverse, you'd have dumb ones that do. So, you want high, high, obviously on those, and then on the uh, contribution side, um, it's it, it really you, you said it. It's about meaning. I want to work in a in an environment that I, I spend a lot of my work day uh, with, you know, contributing to the success of some work with some kind of an organization. And so I want to be sure that the organization that I'm a part of is one that, that, that really has a, a vision and, and, and delivers a, a value to the world uh, more than doesn't doesn't hurt things doesn't doesn't uh, sort of hurt others or or do things that uh, violate the environment or, or whatever. I also want a place that respects um, uh, the way I do my work and lets me have a value set that's consistent with you know who I am and what I do. There's a lot of ways to um, to find meaning. We just don't want the organization. Want the organization to find ways to to help that along, so that, uh, or at least try not to get in the way of the of of the things that would that would make the work uh, more than the sum of the parts. Well, we're going to take another short break, and Norm, when we get back, I want to spend a little bit more time on this piece around finding meaning, and and all of these things are important. And the question is, what's most important, or what what rises to the top of that priority list? Um, and, and finding meaning in work, I think today, is is essential. And getting to understand what is meaningful to my employees, what is meaningful about what we do, and how do I connect what's meaningful in terms of the changes and the growth of my company to what's meaningful to employees, and and building that connection. Uh, I'd love to get your take on, on how that sits on the priority list of, of executives' agendas these days. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, come on back in two minutes with Norm Smallwood, and we're going to talk about this issue about competence, commitment, and specifically around contribution, and then get some takeaways from Norm on what we can be thinking about differently before we go. Take a short break. We'll be right back. 
Stay tuned. Fired Up on WebmasterRadio.fm will return after this short break. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. XYZ affiliate market. Are you an affiliate? If yes, yo, pay me. No if, ands, or maybes. Get paid daily. Make a mad dash. Sign up is a flash. Quickly convert the clicks into cash. Affiliate marketing network is first place. I cut to the chase. It's all performance based. Listen to what I'm telling you. Cause this what you better do. Join as a publisher and maximize your revenue. Think we agreed that money is what you need. Indeed, you can get paid from sales and leads. Not one thing lacking. Don't get it cracking. Even comes with state of the art tracking. Where to the start? You can do it a couple ways. 866-XY7-PAYS. It's toll free. Tell me what you waiting on. So log on to XY7.com. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOC.com. Wizards, rainmakers, rock stars, gorillas, and gurus. WebmasterRadio.fm. Come visit our magical Webmaster Wonderland. We got a mouse, too. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. You're getting fired up only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's Gordon Rudo. So we're back with Norm Smallwood. We only have a, a, about five minutes left, but I'm going to try to cover a lot in the last five minutes. We're talking about this issue of contribution, and, and my belief is today that helping people find their meaning in work is critical. Um, the Gen Xers, the Millennials, they, they need meaning in their work or they'll walk. And the employee contract is different. We've got a, a free agent society. And finding that differentiation as an employer and, and understanding how to differentiate what you do and, and that purpose and that strategy and, and creating meaning around that to both attract and retain employees is of critical importance. So, so what else can you teach us about how does a leader help employees find contribution in the work? How do they create an environment for that? What are some of the tactics around that? And then what is the role of communication inside of that? Sure. Well, you know, in our, in our work around, you know, finding meaning in work, there's really seven questions that, uh, that, that, that need to be answered for someone to, to, to have meaning. And the first is, who am I? And, and that has to do, uh, you know, what's my identity? What would I like to be known for by others? Uh, what are my strengths? The second one, where am I going and why? Uh, do I have a sense of accomplishment and purpose? Uh, understanding what motivates me and how do I define success? 
in ways broader than uh, hopefully just financial success. Um, the third dimension is who do I go with? Um, who, who do I travel with? Uh, we need relationships with uh, the people that matter the most to us. So for each person, what are the relationships that matter most? And what typically goes wrong in, in bad relationships that I have? And in, in, in finding meaning uh, through, the, through the people I'm with. The fourth element is uh, how do I create a positive work environment? So uh, again, we perform better in a positive work environment uh, and the best work environments are one in which we have the opportunity to serve other people. Am I open to new ideas? Uh, do I have humility and a beginner's mindset and curiosity? Um, what uh, challenges do I enjoy would be the fifth one. Uh, uh, what venues work best for me in helping me grow? What challenges do I tend to enjoy? And finding a balance. I mean, too much of... Too many demands create stress, but uh, the more we have resources, the more challenges that, uh, that we can take on. Uh, then the sixth is uh, what resources are available to help me accomplish my goal. And uh, again, that looks at the, the balance between uh, demand and uh, resources. How well do I hand my resources, handle my resources of time, health, physical space, and money? And then uh, the seventh is what gives me delight? And uh, we need to find joy, fun, and delight in our lives. So what are the little things that give me a sense of joy in my day? I've got a six-year-old granddaughter named Zariah who moved in when she was, uh, uh, her father died when, uh, when uh, she was, well, the day after she was born in a tragic uh, drowning accident. And when I'm feeling down, I just go have a conversation with uh, Zariah, who's, who's, as I said, six. And I just find huge amounts of delight in seeing the world through the eyes of, um, of a six-year-old uh, granddaughter who, when I don't find so much joy, I can give her back to her mother. So, uh, so those are seven ways of, of uh, finding uh, abundance and and uh, contribution and meaning in, in the work that we do. And, and as communicators, as business leaders, these kinds of questions, how, how do we engage our organization around these questions? I mean, is this, is this a survey? Is this an ongoing discussion that managers are having with employees? Is there ways of kind of collecting this data and making use of this data? How do, how do you turn these questions into insights and into action? You know, I think that these questions around meaning, I think you can do surveys to find out if there's a, a, a problem or, or a need. The, the real uh, value, and I think in the meaning that uh, goes on in organizations, is the, is the process of trying to create organizations that have more of it. So I think if you ask these kind of questions, most of the time you're going to find opportunities to improve, and then the organization can either provide forums or, or groups that, that, that can talk through this kind of stuff. But, again, the, the, the reason why this would be important is that um, we need organizations where people want to have these three Cs and, and not uh, 
get uh, out of balance in, in any of them. I mean, it's not just about meaning, and it's not, I mean, although meaning will probably keep me somewhere, but it's also about being engaged in, in the work that I'm doing through and really being committed to the, to, to the team of people I'm working with and the opportunity to learn and grow through, uh, through developing new skills. So as I work with, uh, with especially my direct team, um, I'm going to find competence, commitment, and contribution probably not with the entire organization, but with the people I work with the most and, and finding ways to, to talk about it and to do things that will increase our enjoyment of, of what we're doing, I think is the, is the real trick. And uh, surveys, not so much other than at the very beginning. Okay. Well, let me, let me segue this into a previous conversation that we've had. We, we talk about this kind of outside-in or inside-out perspective, and Donna Markova talked about this. Uh, from a leadership perspective as well, that we need to understand the people that we're talking to and we need to understand ourselves and we need to have this self-awareness to see where we're truly coming from in a conversation, what's really authentic and real for us. We also have to contextualize that within the environment that we're in and we need to understand the mood of the employees, the concerns of the employees, and as you talk about, what delights employees, what motivates employees. So from a leader to an employee or to an organizational framework. We need to have a sense of this culture and, and this employee base and what's important to them and what concerns them so that we can contextualize our vision, our strategy, and our stories. But we also talk about, as you talk about with customer results, that you know, being an employer in choice, in your words, are about you know, choosing employees that your customers would choose. So again, it's an, it's an outside in, both within the firewall and outside of the firewall. But I'm just curious on your perspective on how do we contextualize our leadership point of view or our philosophy uh, inside of our organization or even outside of our organization? What is the role of the inside or outside in um, worldview? Well, let me, let me take a shot at that. I, and I think it's a combination of both what I'm good at and who are my stakeholders outside of me. And when you bring those two things together, you've, you've really got something. So if you start from the outside in and ask, who are my stakeholders? Well, they're the people I'm trying to create value for, employees, customers, other managers, my family, the community. It's a lot of stakeholders most of us have. And so the first question would be right now, do any of these stakeholders need more time or attention from me than others? So over time, you've got to serve all of them, but at different points, some of them take uh, precedence. And then you turn to, well, what am I good at? And so, you know, I could be good at, I'm, I'm good at personal proficiency, or I'm a strategist, or I'm somebody who can really get things done, or I can really, I'm a talent manager who really drives the commitment of others, or I can build the next generation of, of talent around. So... So if, you, it's, so if you can say, um, outside in, what are the needs, and then what am I good at? So how do I then use what I'm good at to deliver something of value to the stakeholders who I'm, who I'm most interested in at the, at, in the current time? And so there's a lot of work that goes on around building on strengths. And the question that this gets around is, 
How do we make sure that the strengths that we're building are the strengths that strengthen others? Because some of my strengths might be irrelevant. So that's why the outside-in perspective is, is so critical, because what I want to do is to really be of value, to be of service, is to do things that do create value in the eyes of the people that, uh, that if I'm giving a gift of leadership or of service or whatever I'm doing, that it will be something that's, that's valued, not just some selfish act that only I'm interested in. And the only way that you ever know that is by, you know, starting from the outside and, and asking the questions about what these stakeholders need on the outside. It's this fascinating conversation that we're having week to week, you know. Where do we begin? Is self-awareness the starting point? Is understanding our environment the starting point? So um, it's a fascinating exploration that we're going to spend some more time in. But as, as we come to a closed norm, um, what are a couple things, if you, if you give our audience some takeaways, when we're talking about creating an environment that, that brings out the best in people, and I guess we come from this, this perspective, Norm, that people spend more time in their organizations than they do most times with their families. And if they're going to spend 8 or 12 or 15 hours a day, if they're going to be spending most of their waking time inside of this construct that we call work, how do we make these places more humane, um, more understanding, more compassionate? How do we make them more effective and aligned with the values and, and the perspectives or the needs and concerns of, of these individuals? And, well, um, I'm hoping I, you yeah, can... No, it's a, it's a wonderful question, and I think... Uh, I mean, one of the things that we were just talking about helps us to get there because, again, if you take an outside-in perspective, which would be one of the key takeaways, is that uh, if we can create an organization that really is connected to customers, that really is connected to the community, then we tend to begin to take action that isn't just internally derived. And, 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 and we know from... There's just an incredible amount of research. I, I like the, the 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 statistics that you gave earlier about you know 15% is strategy and 85% is people who get it done. If you take that, then let's make sure that we're focusing the strategy and the 85% uh, of of people who are going to do things on on doing the kind of things that will. Uh, create value for the stakeholders of our organization. And then I think the other thing is that there's really a difference between leaders and leadership. And uh, leaders, when we talk about that, it's about me. It's about uh, my skills and, 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 and my commitment to the organization and kind of me, me, me. And, and the, the real trick is to understand that leadership which is the organization capability, it's, the, it's building the next generation of leaders who will, who will follow me. Um, that, that's, about, that's about who comes after me and, uh, and have I created the conditions to make this a, a, an effective organization that can continue to deliver this, this value in the future. And so it's not just about me, it's about us. And then I guess the, the, the third takeaway and, and this is the one that's missing so often, is that uh, this context of, of the integration of results with uh, attributes. And that's saying that uh, if we're so focused on 
you know, me and my attributes and what I do and my judgment and authenticity and emotional intelligence. I mean, it's easy to lose the the so that connection to again this idea of creating value with my with my stakeholders, my employees, my customers, the organization, investors, and so it's and and, and it's only when um, when people really do believe that that leadership can deliver these results, it's only when the integration occurs that it's going to be sustainable. And, and when it's sustainable and when it's integrated, you know, it's a really enjoyable place to work because I'm being challenged, I'm doing things that uh, matter to me, and I'm doing things that matter to my, uh, the people I'm trying to serve on the outside. Great wrap-up, Norm. Um, how do people get in touch with you as we, as we finalize this? And I want to get people more connected to your work. I mean, you've produced over 150 articles, uh, probably half a dozen or more books, uh, named one of the top 100 voices in leadership by Leadership Excellence every year since 2005. I mean, you've produced a lot of material. How do people access what you've done and, and what you're doing next? Oh, well, thanks for asking that question. We've got a website at www.rblresultsbasedleadership.net, www.rbl.net. And my email, love to hear from anybody that uh, would love to continue the conversation here, nsmallwood at rbl.net. So nsmallwood at rbl.net. Check out the RBL group. Uh, Check out your newest book, if I can promote it, Leadership Code, which I just started getting into. I just finished Leadership Brand recently, started Leadership Code. It's really, really good. Um, So you check out even the, the reviews on Amazon are stunning. Um, so Norm's doing some great work, and, and if I can just wrap up as well, don't forget about the context that we're operating in. Don't forget who your stakeholders are, and I like the way that Norm uh, wrapped this together. Um, figure out who needs your attention right now. When you look at these different stakeholder groups, everything's important, but not everything can get a priority. So where do we choose to focus? Figure out who those stakeholders are that, that have the big needs and the big concerns that are going to be most important in your strategy or what you're trying to get done at any given period of time. So um, thanks again, Norm, for coming on. Thank you, Gordon. Uh, we're grateful to have you, and I uh, want to remind everybody next week we have Amy Lyman from the Great Place to Work Institute. Uh, so we hope to hear from you again then. Uh, check us out on twitter.com forward slash fired up radio. We want to keep this conversation going. And uh, thanks again for uh, Webmaster Radio for sponsoring our show once again. We'll, we'll check you out next week. Take care.